As we open God's word together, I invite you to join me in bowing your heads. We're going to ask for his blessing upon us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Search us, Lord, this morning with your word, and bring us to victory and freedom in Jesus. Give us your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into the message, you remember Jesus went to a well and Samaria, sat there. His disciples went to go and get bread. And do you remember what time it was? It was about noon. And they came back later, I don't know, maybe around one or two, who knows. And they said, would you like to eat? And he, what did Jesus say? Is there other food that's more important than potluck? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you may be hungry. It's 12.20. But I pray that you can uh, say with me, Lord, fill me with your food and carry me through. Amen? Okay. We are in 2020. Last week we covered voting. And this week we're going to look at that again. In 2020, the issue of legalization of drugs is on the ballot. Right now in Oregon, there are three measures being proposed that would strengthen and expand the use of drugs across the state. Measure 109, psilocybin mushrooms legalized. Magic mushrooms, hallucinogenic mushrooms, if that is voted through, you can produce it, manufacture it, and get it out to the public. Measure 108, tobacco tax and e-cigarette tax. Measure 110, perhaps the worst of them all, drug decriminalization. Uh, And when they talk about drug decriminalization, you know which drugs they're talking about? Heroin, cocaine, methamphetamines. Current law carries a maximum fine of $6,250 and one year in prison. If Measure 110 passes... The possession of any one of these drugs will be classified as a class E misdemeanor with a maximum fine of $100. That's it. Should Adventist Christians be concerned about voting this year? Yes. 150 years in Ellen White's day, it wasn't cocaine. It was alcohol. And she called every Adventist to vote against it. The movement was called the temperance movement. 
And today, in 2020, temperance is on the ballot. Not in the form of alcohol, but intoxicating drugs. Medical news today says about magic mushrooms, psilocybin. The mushrooms containing psilocybin are known as magic mushrooms. Psilocybin is a Scheduled One controlled substance, meaning that it has a high potential for abuse and serves no legitimate medical purpose. That's from Medical News Today. Psilocybin intoxicates the individual, producing an altered reality which affects the way the person responds to their environment. It alters your mind. It affects your thinking and processing and judgment. Do you need clear judgment while you're going through the judgment? You bet you do. Medical News Today says about cocaine, it is a highly addictive uh, substance can lead to seizures, life-threatening heart failure, cerebral hemorrhage, stroke, and respiratory failure. Direct quotes. In addition, cocaine changes the structure of your brain and like psilocybin, intoxicates the person so that their mind is altered. It affects your thinking and processing and judgment. Measure 110 reduces the penalty and allows people to gamble with their life and eternal destiny for only a fine of $100. $100 to never see your son again. Anybody here? Pay $100 to never see your son again. Anybody here? Pay $100 to never see your daughter again. Pay $100 to never see your mother, your father, your cousin, your friend again. Sounds like a good gamble? As Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we have a responsibility to vote against the legalization of health-harming, mind-altering, life-ending drugs. In a way, temperance is on the ballot, and your voice exercised in a vote could save lives. And before we turn into Scripture, one last thing. Homelessness. Last year, a documentary was put out addressing the issues of homelessness in the Pacific Northwest, which applies to many cities across the country. It was called Seattle is Dying. Anybody see that documentary? Seattle is Dying. If you haven't seen it, um, it's a very good documentary. Seattle is Dying. And the root cause, in many cases, for homelessness, not all, but in many cases, is drug addiction. Drug takes, drugs take your money. Drugs take your family. Drugs take your home. Drugs take your job. And drugs will take your life. Now, someone may say, but pastor, what does the church have to do with advocating for voting for temperance? Voting down measures 108 through 110. Voting down the decriminalization of drugs. Because temperance has to do with not just our current life, but it has to do with our eternal life as well. Now, listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 25. Listen says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is what? What does it say? 
Okay, on the screen. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, and what? An incorruptible or an imperishable crown. And then he says two verses later, verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Temperance is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle Christians live in preparation for the kingdom of heaven. Temperance. Temperance is a lifestyle Christians promote to help lead others towards the kingdom of heaven. Without temperance, none will see the kingdom of heaven. Without victory over substance abuse, you cannot gain eternal life. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 20 says, Now the work of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, And such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkenness, that's intoxication where you are not in your right mind. Revelries, which is defined as excessive and boisterous intemperance and lustful indulgence. And then the apostle says, and the like which means anything that flows along the same lines. Now, they didn't have cocaine, heroin, or magic mushrooms during the time or region that the Apostle Paul was preaching in the New, or the New Testament church, but they did have intoxicating products. Chief of them was wine, beer, and strong drink, as the Bible says. And the principles that we can gain for what the Bible says about alcohol we can apply to anything that intoxicates the mind. Somebody says, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't smoke a joint. But the Bible gives us enough principles to know that anything that affects your mind is going to affect your eternal destiny. And so we have to look at that, look at it through that lens. And the Bible does talk about wine and strong drink and alcoholic beverages in a certain way. And before we look at what the Bible says about alcohol, let me give you a brief biblical reason why intoxication is a spiritual issue, not just a health issue. When the devil tempts you to sin, what part of your body does he speak to and tempt? The devil doesn't tempt us through our liver, our kidney, our pancreas, our elbows, or through our big toe. If the devil is going to lead you to sin, there's only one place that he needs to attack. And it's not your elbow. Every single attack comes through your mind. Every one. This is the door. And if the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in righteousness... There's only one place that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you, and that's through your mind. 
He's going to sanctify you, purify you, and give you victory. And it all happens as he gains control over your mind. So here's the biggest reason why Christians should be against mind-altering drugs. Because whoever controls your mind controls your destiny. Your life, both here and in eternity, is determined to a large degree on the decisions you make and who or what is influencing those decisions. This is why the Bible warns Christians over and over and over and over to be sober-minded. Have you heard that term before? Sober-minded. Sober, meaning clear-minded, not intoxicated, self-possessed, without excesses of any kind. Sober-minded. You're in control, or the Holy Spirit is in control of your mind. You need a mind that is free to think, free to decide. You need a mind that is not bound or chained by any addiction. You need a mind that is not bent, warped, or twisted by any reality-altering substance. Now I'd like you to turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And if you're having trouble finding Thessalonians, just know that every book in the Bible that starts with T is together. T is together. So if you found one T, you found them all. Thessalonians, Thessalonians, Timothy, Timothy, Titus. And that's all the T's. And they're all together. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1, and notice what it says. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write you. Now, he's about ready to talk about the second coming. And if Paul was writing to Stone Tower in 2020, he would say, I don't need to tell you that Jesus is coming soon. And all of us would nod our head and say, you're right, Paul. We see the condition of our world. We see all that is happening in our world. You don't need to remind us because we see it. Jesus is coming soon. And verse 2, he says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a what? Thief in the night. But should the day of the Lord come as a thief to Christians? No. No. In fact, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, the day of Jesus won't catch you unaware. The person who is caught unaware, the person who Jesus comes as a thief in the night to, are non-Christians, non-believers, those who are not looking for the coming of Jesus. Verse 2 says, uh, For the day of the Lord will so come as a thief in the night. For, verse 3, When they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon who? Upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us what? Watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, be sober. Why? Because Jesus 
is coming soon. How many believe that Jesus is coming soon? Amen. You look at the world around you and you see government restrictions on the rise. Society is tearing itself apart. Our nation is divided. There are, uh, there are wars and rumors of wars. You see new diseases, plagues affecting our world. And crime, immorality, and sin are all on the rise. Lawlessness abounds. Just go down town Portland. You have to be asleep not to see what is going on in our world. And if Jesus coming as soon then what is the one thing we all need? Now more than ever, clear minds. Unpolluted minds. Be sober, be watchful, be on alert. You don't have time to have your mind twisted and warped by some substance. You need a mind that can see clearly, think clearly, and see what's going on. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24 says, false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now, if you're not in your right mind, how likely is it that you're going to be deceived by a false prophet? Very likely. If you're on a trip with psilocybin, heroin, cocaine, or you've been numbed up with alcohol, marijuana, or some other agent, and these false prophets begin showing signs and wonders, are you going to perceive these things, uh, that these things aren't from God? No. In fact, you're in it for the trip. You probably look at these things and go, cool, man. Wow. Revelation says that the false prophet is going to cause fire to come down from from heaven in the sight of men. And by this, he's going to deceive many. We cannot afford to have our brains compromised during this time. Now, someone today may say, Pastor, I don't take all those things, I'm not on cocaine. I'm not on heroin, and I certainly don't take those mushrooms. But you know, there are other drugs that we take that are legal and also alter our minds. We should consider everything we put in our bodies. How many people agree with that statement? We should consider everything that we put in our bodies. Should we consider everything we put in our bodies, whether it will, be, will affect our health or our minds? Would you agree with that? We've got to consider it. Last month, a new study was published in the Journal of Social, Cognitive, and Effective Neuroscience. And you know what that new study says? Now listen, I didn't write the study. Okay, before I say this, I didn't write the study. They did. I don't even know if they're Christian. But they wrote the study. All right, this is what the study says. Tylenol. Acetaminophen decreases your judgment 
alters your ability to decide clearly and increases your likelihood to take risks. Okay. Before this study came out, how many of you have ever taken Tylenol? Yeah. And what does it do? It increases your propensity to take risks, alters your judgment. Now, who did they do this research on? They studied 189 college students. Average age was 19 years old with presumably young and healthy bodies and all of them had impaired judgment from Tylenol. This is from Councils for the Church, page 105. A practice that is laying the foundation of a vast amount of disease. Now, I would want to know what practice that is that's laying a foundation for a vast amount of disease because I, how many of you do not want a vast amount of disease? Yeah, so you would want to know it too, right? A practice that is laying the foundation for a vast amount of disease and of even more serious evils is the free use of poisonous drugs. When attacked by disease, many will not take the trouble to search out the cause of their illness. Their chief anxiety is to rid themselves of pain and inconvenience. By the use of poisonous drugs, many bring upon themselves lifelong illness. And many lives are lost that might be saved by the use of natural methods of healing. The poisons contained in many so-called remedies create habits and appetites that mean ruin. And what does she say? To both soul and body. Many of the popular nostrums called Patent medicines and even some of the drugs dispensed by physicians act a part in laying the foundation of the liquor habit, the opium habit, the morphine habit that are so terrible a curse to society. Councils for the Church, page 105. It doesn't need to be an illegal drug to be spiritually and physically dangerous to use. Scientists and medical professionals know that many of the medications that are given, even over-the-counter meds, kill you slowly by poisoning the liver. Now understand, I'm not saying that if you've been prescribed a particular medicine, you need to stop it right now. But doing research to find the root cause of your illness and then finding natural lifestyle treatments for that illness is a better path. Drugs, whether they be cocaine or Tylenol, only mask symptoms. Drugs do not treat disease. And, the most, and most disease can be traced back to intemperance, breaking one of the eight laws of health. Okay, I'm going to give you one more Spirit of Prophecy quote, and if you don't want to read it, just close your eyes now, but it's here. Okay. Drug medication, as it is generally practiced, is a what? Is a curse. 
Educate away from drugs. Use them how often? Less and less. And depend more upon hygienic agencies. Then nature will respond to God's physicians. Pure air. Pure water. Proper exercise. A clear conscience. Those who persist in the use of tea, coffee, and flesh meats will feel the need of drugs, but many might recover without one grain of medicine if they would obey the laws of health. Drugs need seldom be used. I realize these are strong statements because they go against our culture today. But you already know, I bring you what the Bible says, and I, I trust that you wrestle with it with the Lord. Okay, so I'm not telling you, you need to get off what you're on, but I am telling you, you need to wrestle with the Lord. And wrestle with these statements. We had a, uh, the head elder of the church that I pastored in Arizona, he told me, Michael, because of a, uh, he was a truck driver, because of a terrible accident, his back was all messed up. I mean, he's in chronic pain every single day. You know what he would take for the pain? Yeah, I think it was Tylenol, maybe it was Advil, but he would take, take that every single day. And after a while, he said, the Lord began to convict me I'm ruining my liver so that I can live without this pain. And he said, man, I was dependent upon it. Every, you know, four to eight hours, I had to get that other dose in or I just couldn't function. And he finally said, I decided that I was going to, and I forgot about that just until this morning, but he said, I decided that if I was going to give up those medications, I should give up... uh, coffee as well. So he said he gave up the caffeine and he said as soon as he gave up the caffeine, his pain in his body went down. And down to the level, the pain in his back went down to the level that he didn't need the Tylenol to function. He was able to function without it. I, I can't tell you how many people I have heard who felt like their life depended on the medications, who when they brought their life into harmony with the eight laws of health, realized that God had provided everything they needed without those medications. And oftentimes what happens is you take this medication, and then to treat the side effects of this medication, you take this medication, and then to treat the side effects of this medication and this medication, you take these two medications... You know how it goes? Anyways, I'm just saying, think about it, pray about it. There are natural means that God has given us to heal us. Now, consider what the Apostle Peter says about the need for a clear mind and a watchful mind. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. What does it start off with? Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the... Devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There's a reason you need a clear mind. Because Satan is looking for you. 
And he, wanted to, he wants to take as many people as he can with him at the end. A clear mind is needed by every Christian as we approach the end of time. Don't you agree? And it's not just us who need clear minds. The world we live in needs a clear mind. The greatest and final decisions are soon to be made by every human on the planet, either for or against God. The mark of the beast is coming according to prophecy, and we should be advocating against anything that would hinder people from making clear decisions through voice and vote, because eternity is on the line. A clear mind gives men and women their best chance at choosing right from wrong. That's why you should make this choice for yourself, and that's why you should vote against these measures that are on the ballot. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11 says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflames them. Do you know what woe means? Do you know what woe means? Who knows what woe means? What does a woe mean? Nobody knows? Means cursed. Woe means cursed. Who is cursed? Those who follow intoxicating drinks. And because the Apostle Paul said also, the like, we know that this can be applied to any mind-altering drug. Cursed are those who drink alcohol. Cursed are those who eat magic mushrooms. Cursed are those who partake of cocaine, heroin, LSD, meth. And yes, the curse extends to marijuana as well. Effects of marijuana on the brain and your health. And this is from drugabuse.gov. Marijuana reduces the volume of specific brain regions... How many of you want the volume of any brain region reduced? Anyone? No. It reduces the volume of specific brain regions involved in broad range of executive function, such as memory, learning, and impulse control. Marijuana decreases your ability to retain memory, learn new things, and to control your impulses. And that last one is concerning, and that means that scientifically, if you take marijuana, you will be less able to control your impulses to take other substances. And this is why it is called the gateway drug. In fact, in the research, they had some difficulty drawing conclusions from marijuana because so many people who did marijuana did so many other things. The research also indicates marijuana use decreases your IQ. Marijuana is also an immune suppressant. Compromising your immune system can lead to deadly infections. Lung issues can occur through prolonged use. Your risk of a heart attack increases, why don't you guess, how many times do you think you're your risk of heart attack increases with the use of marijuana? Huh? Five times. You're five times more likely to die of a heart attack if you're using marijuana. Five times. 
few studies, a few studies have shown a clear link between marijuana use in adolescence and increased risk for an aggressive form of testicular cancer that predominantly strikes young adult males. And the Bible says, whoa, cursed. I don't want those curses. Do you want those curses? I don't want those on me. Proverbs 23, verse 29 through 30 says, Who hath woe? Who's cursed? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Always getting in fights. Who hath babbling? Always talking. Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. What a list of curses to those who drink alcohol and those who ingest other toxicating substances. Just consider the results of intoxication in the lives of some biblical characters. The first reference to intoxication and the very first reference to wine found in the Bible is found in Genesis. Genesis chapter 9 verse 21. Right after the flood, Noah created the original fermented grape juice. Genesis 9.21, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. Now, before this, the Bible records Noah as righteous, but alcohol was able to take a righteous man and bring shame to his name as he was discovered nude by his sons. This first experiment with a new drug ended with curses falling on Noah's posterity. Another Bible character, the nephew of Abraham, Lot, also drank, which led to shameful incest with his daughters. Genesis 19, verse 33. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Then there's the infamous experience when the children of Israel drank alcohol, stripped themselves naked, and worshipped a golden calf. Exodus 32, verses 6 and 25. As a result of this shameful, shame-filled party, many of God's people died. Then there's Amnon, another drinker, and he was the son of David. He raped his half-sister Tamar, and because of this incestuous act, he lost his life at the hands of his angered brother while intoxicated. 2 Samuel 13, 28. Over and over and over in Scripture, we are shown the results of choosing our own path and taking intoxicating substances. God doesn't want His people to walk in shame in this life and miss out on eternal life. And for this reason, King Solomon gave this warning in Proverbs 23. Verses 31 through 35, he says, Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. You know, way back when they had that song, Tiny Bubbles. You remember that? No, some of you don't remember. Well, I heard it in an evangelistic series. Tiny Bubbles. Anyways, When a drink fizzes, he's saying, look at it. When you see those bubbles coming up, look at it. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Then uh, thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine heart shall utter perverse things. 
Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of, top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Proverbs 20 and verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs tells us that kings, princes, and leaders should not be intoxicated. Proverbs 31.4, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Religious leaders are not to drink wine. Isaiah 28, verse 7, it says, But they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Another powerful reason to avoid any intoxicating substance is the harm these substances do to your body. And God declares that your body belongs to Him. How you treat your body affects your spiritual well-being. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Many reasons. Now, why doesn't other Christian churches, denominations, why doesn't other Christian churches preach against wine and intoxicating substances? The truth is that alcohol is used by Catholics and Protestants alike, despite what the Bible says against it. When my wife was going through naturopathic medical school, the loudest proponents for Christianity, the ones who wore the Christian badge and said from day one, I'm a Christian, were the ones on the weekend who were partying the hardest and struggling with a hangover Monday morning. Why don't Christians in many churches, both the Catholic and the Protestant churches, why don't they come out against wine and intoxicating substances? Listen to what the prophet Micah says. Micah chapter 2, verse 11. It says, If a man should walk in a false spirit and speak a lie, saying, I will prophesy to you of wine and drink, even he would be the prattler of this people. Now, you may not understand what this is saying, so let me put it in a easier-to-read translation. This is the New Living Translation. It says, suppose a prophet full of lies would say to you, I'll preach to you the joys of wine and alcohol. That's just the kind of prophet you would like. Why don't many Christians preach against intoxicating drinks. According to Micah, it's because the people would not hear it. The people don't want this message. They want to have their alcohol. They want to have their intoxicating drink. But friends, the best medicine 
medicine isn't always sweet. And true friends who are most concerned about your soul and your health won't sugarcoat or hide the truth. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven with only half a brain. You need your mind in full tact to go through the end of time. You need it, friends, as your name is being passed in the judgment. You need clear judgment. Alcohol kills. Drugs kill. And as a Christian, the question is, can we support anything that will bring men and women into bondage? No. Jesus' whole mission was to set us free from enslavement. In John chapter 8 and verse 34, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, or as King James puts it, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. New King James says, is the slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. One of the strongest arguments, I think, to not participate in any form of drug or alcohol, is that these things through addiction enslave you. And a Christian is... A Christian, the Bible says, you, can, you cannot serve two masters. You either serve Christ and are a servant of Christ, or you serve the flesh and are in bondage to the flesh. You cannot be a child of God and a child of alcohol. You cannot be a child of God and also a child of cocaine, marijuana, psilocybin, whatever you say, however you say it. You have to choose sides. And you've got to choose sides before the judgment closes. Romans 6, verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should, what is the next word? Henceforth we should not serve sin. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Galatians 5, 13. For brethren, you have been called unto what? Liberty. Galatians 4, verse 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Through Christ, every addiction can be broken. Through Christ, every health-harming substance can be overcome. But should a Seventh-day Adventist Christian vote against these things? Should an Adventist Christian vote against measures 108 through 110? When Ellen White was asked, should we vote on prohibition, Women of, Woman of Vision, page 203, she answered, yes. To a man everywhere, and perhaps I shall shock some of you if I say, if necessary, vote on the Sabbath day for prohibition if you cannot at any other time. We have a work to do, friends. 
Temperance is on the ballot, and how we choose to practice temperance in our lives and vote for temperance with our vote will affect lives both now and for eternity. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 25 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Today you have an opportunity to take a stand. Perhaps some today are looking at their own life and find addictions that you know will compromise your mind and health at the end of time. Today is the day to rise up against them. Today is the day to declare your allegiance to God and rid your life forever of these substances. Do not wait. Don't delay. Don't hide it in your bathroom cupboard where the angels of heaven who are judging your case right now can clearly see. Make a decision that you will throw it out and finally and forever find victory over these things. If you want this freedom and you'd like the Lord's help, I'd like you to raise your hand and close your eyes in prayer. There are others today who are not engaged in these health-destroying practices, but by not voting, you rob the Lord of your influence in this society and allow drugs such as heroin, cocaine, meth, and others to become more widely used and distributed. Will you stand against drugs, drug use by voting down these harmful measures? Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hand uh, for this because I want it to be a private decision, but the Bible and spirit of prophecy support God's people standing against these curses on our society. Temperance is on the ballot and every person today can do something. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that the Word of God speaks to culture today. We proclaim in this church and in our lives that the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and gives us clarity on how we should live and even how we should vote. I pray, Lord, that you would give us the moral courage to stand for the right I pray that you would give the moral courage to those in this auditorium and those in in this church and those online who hear this message to make that decision now. To finally and forever walk away from those substances that are barring their mind from connecting with you. Lord, I pray for victory. I pray for the Holy Spirit to move in their lives with power and conviction. I pray for Christ and His angels to take possession and win the the battle over these harmful substances today, whether it's cigarettes or alcohol 
or some other drug. Lord, I pray for victory in the lives of your people today that they may walk free and have a testimony to bear for you that they serve and are a slave to nothing here on this planet, but they serve King Jesus. Make your people ready, Lord, for your soon coming. Make us ready with clear minds to pass through the judgment. Help us, Lord, to be ready to make our decision against the mark of the beast. Lord, may we each be found standing for you as we come through the end of time. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.